Blog Talk Radio. Good evening from sunny, beautiful Florida. Boy, do we have gorgeous weather, probably for the last time this week, before the heat and humidity descends this weekend. But we have had blue skies, warm, comfortable temperatures, and very low humidity. Ah, paradise. Anyway, um, I was moved. I haven't been able to do a show for a while. Uh, One, I had nothing I wanted to say. And two, um, I was away for the last several weeks uh, visiting Spain and Portugal. A wonderful trip. Um, I feel like I can get back on a plane and go somewhere else at this point. Uh, Traveling, the right kind of travel, the right kind of people, the right kind of place is really quite exhilarating and quite wonderful. But <clears throat> back to reality, uh, the, the show was stimulated by two things tonight. One was an article in the Arts and Leisure section of the New York Times uh, by, who are the authors? Menhola Dargis and A.O. Scott, who are movie reviewers for the Times, and it is entitled, Our Monsters, Ourselves. And it's a discussion about all the monster movies that have come out and uh, are coming out. If you go through the list of the summer movies, which seem to be uh, aimed at 14 and 13-year-olds, uh, not too much adult uh, adult entertainment, um, a preoccupation seems to be in our society. I have done another earlier show on this, um, uh, on monsters, and um, I, I was stimulated by the article uh, to discuss why our preoccupation with monsters. The second thing, and again, I, I can't help myself, uh, I am watching the unfolding of the politics here in my beloved country. I'm watching individuals who behave in many ways according to my definition of monster. And so uh, I want to discuss my definitions of monster and superhero. And it dawns on me that I haven't even really thought to try and define what a human being is. And I will have to think about this. Um, I certainly can see a human being, myself and others, as a mammal, an evolved mammal, and talk about the qualities, the physical qualities. I could talk about a lot of the psychological, developmental issues, but doesn't capture quite uh, what I would mean by a human being unless I move into the moral And that's going to take me into my discussion of monster and superheroes. Uh, When we say of somebody, he or she is a real human being, we have an expression uh, in Yiddish that Jewish people use, uh, that person is a real mensch. We are talking about someone who we experience as authentic, who doesn't bullshit, who doesn't lie, who behaves uh, as we would understand them uh, with concern and kindness to their fellow human beings, who supports charity, 
who has a developed intelligence, loves learning, uh, has a creative side, and all of these are moral issues. Uh, so let me get into, because, by the way, let, before I'm finished here tonight, uh, I'm, I think you'll be confused, because I am confused. I'm trying really have difficulty getting my hands and my mind around this particular topic. So it comes out like one of my really good lectures when I was teaching or some of the shows I'm proud of uh, that I've done in the past with a kind of direction and a coherence uh, that makes me feel I've said something I wanted to say that people can follow. So there is a preoccupation in our society with monsters and superheroes. Uh, Movies galore that show monsters and uh, being defeated by superheroes while the human beings the ordinary human beings uh, get beaten up by the monsters and ultimately saved by the superheroes so while I can't define human being with any facility let me talk about my definition of monsters and it's not the definition in the dictionary um Dictionary, one of the examples was the alien, the movie Alien. Those creatures were monsters. They're not monsters as far as I'm concerned. They were a large alien animal that used us as food. A monster in the definition I came across, and I really wish I could find the reference and give the uh, person who came up with this definition uh, uh, credit for it because it's, to me, such a terrific piece of insight. A monster is a creature who looks human, but when they hurt others, are not moved by the pain they cause. So there are two things involved here. One is there is intent to do something, uh, whether it's justified or not, Real monsters, monster with a capital M, wants to hurt people uh, and doesn't bother to justify it. Although most monsters, as human beings, creatures that look human but behave monstrously, uh, want to do something, but they know it's wrong in some way because they seek to justify it. The minute you or I justify anything, it means no matter how hard we try, Within our own moral system, we know we've done something wrong. We've done something hurtful, damaging, morally wrong. So these creatures that look uh, like human uh, are basically uh, immoral. They're immoral beings. What makes this definition to me so interesting is that human beings are capable of being monsters. Now, when I say monster, it doesn't mean they're alien, they're like the alien or the werewolf uh, or any other creature uh, that is created, but a human being that causes pain to others, justified or unjustified, with intent, and can't experience, for one reason or another, the pain that they have created to another human being. Now, this leaves a lot of the monsters out of the definition 
that the authors of this article talk about. For example, uh, one of the monsters that's coming back again this summer is Godzilla. Godzilla is monstrous, but he's not a monster. He's a big lizard who has no intent nor any capacity to understand the pain or damage he does to human beings or anyone or anything else. So he is a different class of monster, and he's not the monster I want to discuss. The monster I want to discuss looks human and, in fact, is human, but behaves in an immoral way to cause pain to others that, however justified, doesn't move them to change their behavior. That's a monster. The superhero, the more I think about it, is a moral being. The superheroes that look human, Superman and Batman, uh, there's going to be a movie out this summer uh, with Wonder Woman. Uh, she's going to get, women will get their due as superheroes. Uh, I haven't read anything by feminist, but this is a, a treasure trove because it took so long to get super well there was there was uh supergirl it was never super lady but there was supergirl or superwoman and that didn't exist they've mostly been males but they are goodness and ultimately in our fantasy we turn to the superhero to protect us and undo the damage done by the monsters and we must be filled with guilt and yearning at this point in our history, I think we are, about ourselves as the monster and our desire to act the role of the superhero. Make it right. Protect the underdog. Rescue a person from a fire, even if the building falls upon us. To be able to fly an interesting movie I, I watched part of it anyway uh, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman made an appearance and at the end Superman uh, is killed fighting this ultimate monster that would take away to kill uh, humanity this is an interesting I, the last scene shows his grave uh, and I think the grave that the box that he was buried in moved slightly so i know that superman will come back i mean we can't kill superman permanently besides he's just too good a brand uh for marvel comics to wrap up and say no more superman but in any event when you look at them at superman he is goodness he saves people he's concerned about humanity He's concerned about ordinary human beings. His job, he sees, is to protect them. He's God. Monsters are the devil. Um, God is the original superhero. Satan, the original monster. We are preoccupied, I believe, because in our collective minds, there is a collective guilt that we're not acting the role of the hero, that we're hiding ourselves 
while individuals who are behaving like real monsters are doing damage and we are allowing them to do it. In fact, millions of people convincing themselves that the monster, and again, this monster, these, mon these political monsters, because over history, it's really have been the leaders of the church, the leaders of society, who have been the worst monsters. But they have always through history, including now, been treated as the superhero. I watched with fascination and horror the campaign of Donald Trump, who presents himself as a superhero. Only I know how to defeat ISIS and terrorism. I know more than the generals put together. Only I can save the economy. And all the while, demonstrating behavior, like making fun of individuals with, with uh, uh, disabilities, or talking about uh, walking into uh, a teenage beauty contest and enjoying the nudity of the teenagers without any regard whatsoever for their embarrassment uh, or their uh, concern and anxiety that he was causing. Or I grabbed them by their pussies. But he promised a group of individuals who were willing to see this as theater and pretend it wasn't real that he was going to fix the economy, he was going to bring back their jobs because he alone was Superman. He alone understood their plight and he alone could fix things. And I think this is so much of the cause of this proliferation of monsters who are human in their appearance, but somehow in their intent and in their inability to feel the pain that they create, make them morally a monster, monsters. So I use the word monster in a moral term, and I use the word superhero in a moral way. The monsters have great powers to inflict harm, and the superheroes have great power to defeat them. But ultimately, we're talking about a moral issue. Why are we willing always to follow the monsters? Let me, let me take a side on this. Um, when Hitler came to power, he promised to save Germany. And he created enemies and inflicted massive harm on them. Three million Poles were put through the death camps, the extermination camps, before he got around to putting through six million Jews. Two million gypsies, uh, a million or so assorted gays, uh, individuals with uh, intellectual disabilities, anybody who didn't reach the supermensch, the superman quality that he defined the German to have, and he himself as the superman. He did that, and it worked. He was followed. He was elected Chancellor of Germany. In my uh, travels just now in Spain, we were in Seville. 
we were in uh, Madrid. We were in uh, um, one town after another, wonderful towns, uh, where we would go to the cathedral. And in all of these towns, there was a Jewish section. And it was described, and the history of, of Spain is fascinating. Uh, Christianity came last. Uh, the, the Moors, there were the Romans, then the Moors, and then the Christians and the Jews. And for a long period of time, the three religions got along. In fact, I learned that in Seville, the prime minister of Seville was elected, was a Jew, for hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden, for a variety of reasons I don't have to get into, the church became monstrous and declared that the Jews had to become Christian, that they had killed Christ, that they were the evil moneylenders. I mean, after all, Jews weren't allowed to own property. And from the time of Christ, the fable of Christ, uh, throwing out the moneylenders, uh, the, the Christians could not, the Catholics couldn't be uh, uh, moneylenders. They couldn't be bankers. So the Jews did what they could to survive and flourish. And one of the things they did was raise money to support the wars of the princes that were ever endless, in which these princes would dehumanize their enemies, because this is, again, if you've been following my show, this is something universally found in human beings. Our capacity to demonize and dehumanize and hence become monsters, unable, because now it's justified to cause terrible, massive pain to not just small numbers of people, but large numbers. And all of a sudden, in 1492, Columbus came to America, and the Jews were expelled from uh, Spain unless they converted to Catholicism. The, the story, and there was an official story by all of the guides, lovely, intelligent men, that stops at the point of discussing why and the moral implication. In one of the towns, we went to the Jewish quarter, uh, Cordova, I think that was, and the guide became very passionate while we stood in this empty synagogue. It's been empty now for, for hundreds and hundreds of years became a church, uh, and now converted back to an empty synagogue and tells the story of the Jews up until the moment of expulsion and never discusses why. Why were they expelled? What happened? What happened was they were demonized for a variety of political and economic reasons. One of the reasons being that the princes that were being supplied money by the Jewish bankers and the moneylenders, uh, didn't want to pay them back. So it fit their political and economic needs to allow and foster the church to do the dirty work of dehumanizing and torturing uh, uh, the Jews and anybody else who questioned the, the morality of the church. The Inquisition made the church collectively Monsters. Monsters. The pain and the suffering they did in the name of God was monstrous. And yet completely justified. 
because they weren't causing pain to human beings. It was clearly intended. But devils, demons, they had made in their mind, in their imagination, those who opposed their religion, monsters. And we have an insight from this. Whenever we dehumanize another and turn them into monsters in our imagination to justify causing them pain, we are monsters. I have said many times, I don't know if our species will survive. I don't know if our species deserves to, su to survive. The ease in which we are become monsters, the ease with which we justify it by acting in our mind that the people we are causing pain to are the monsters. I read an article, or where did I see this, of a man who beat up his wife. And as he beat her up, he said, you made me do this, you bitch. She opposed him. She had done something. So he sees now his right and his duty to be her savior by beating the ship, by beating the devil out of her. How often have you heard that expression? Maybe you were the recipient of having the devil beat out of you where you were given a good beating. You deserve a good beating. I used to ask my students, who we talked about this, raise your hand if you can define a good beating. Who is it good for? Who's helped by that beating? We are all monsters, and we don't see it because of our capacity for magical thinking our capacity to delude ourselves, to pretend that our victim deserves or needs our abuse. And as I watched the Republicans sign this horrendous, monstrous replacement of Obama's, yes, a flawed attempt to create a, a, a medical plan so that people who get sick can receive the same kind of treatment as human beings that somebody who has enough money to go and pay either for insurance or directly pay for their treatment. And I watched them celebrate, and I was sickened because they don't care. Ultimately, this is a tax break for very wealthy people. And as, uh, um, uh, what's his name in the last election? Uh, George, what's George's last name? You know, my mind is really going. When he said that 40% of the people will never vote for him because they're mooches, they're lazy. Okay? Us self-made people do it all ourselves. Had, had nothing, and we developed ourselves through our superhuman efforts into millionaires and billionaires. And those who can't do that, they miss the mark. There was something said by one of these Republican monsters, this immoral man. Anybody who lived a good life doesn't have a pre-existing medical condition. I won't even discuss the idiocy 
the intellectual idiocy of saying that, but it is a monstrous statement. It says that individuals who have sickness and then have, need health insurance are responsible for the sickness because they didn't leave the good moral life that this individual claims he has the right to judge them for. Well, there are no superheroes, but some of us are good some of the time. There are no monsters, but some of us are indifferent. Well, let me change that. Not indifferent. Indifference doesn't make us a monster. It is a moral flaw that we protect ourselves from seeing all the suffering around us and pretend not to see it or pretend that we have no ability to do anything for it. But it's the inability to stop ourselves from seeing through our own creations of the pain in other human beings, be it our children, be it women, men, minorities, people of different religions. It's in our inability that makes monsters of us. So, I'm not afraid of watching uh, uh, Godzilla eat the city. I'm not afraid of that. Sometimes it's even fun. Um, but I'm afraid of monsters around me. I'm afraid of my own feelings when I become a monster. Let me give you an example. Some time ago, I had nothing to watch on television. I was flipping through the movie stations. To me, it's still a miracle that there are channels that show movies without ads 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And I came across a Steven Seagal movie. Steven Seagal has made one movie maybe 30 times. In it, his wife and child are always killed by creatures that look human but are truly monstrous. They cause pain, and they know, they don't even justify it, they enjoy the pain that they cause. So that our hatred of them, my hatred of them is so intense. And Steven Seagal goes about taking his lumps, and in the end, he breaks their bones and stabs them through the head with, with, with a, 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 a fork or a screwdriver. He tortures them to death in the most awful way. And I'm glad in my heart to watch Stephen do this. And at that moment, I'm sickened at the same time because I am no different than the monster that caused the pain to all the innocent people. And Stephen Seagal has presented us as a superhero with no mercy and a love of causing the pain to what he sees and what we see as a monster as a superhero. The line between monster and superhero is very thin. The line between human being and monster and superhero is very thin. They blend into one another. They become one another. Within a 24-hour period, we may be monstrous, heroic, or just plain ordinary us, struggling to get by in our life, to do something uh, with love, 
to be kind, to to uh, create something, to find our lives filled with purpose, with meaning. Uh, not an easy thing to do. Not easy. So I don't know what else to say. I don't know if this has been coherent or not. It felt fairly coherent to me. Uh, I'm going to come back online next week. I may change the time. I have uh, I have done a show uh, uh, with regard to a friend of mine, May Mackey, uh, who's an Englishman. And maybe if I get to England, he and I can get together because uh, we communicate on Facebook. We are friends on Facebook. Uh, it's amazing how many friends one can have that one has never met or has really spoken with. Uh, but uh, he says nice things about my show uh, in, in England, and the problem is it's 7.30 here, it's 12.30, five hours advanced, and uh, nobody at 12.30 that is sane is going to get up and call into my show. But next week I'll either change the show or keep the time or maybe do something during one of the days uh, and let everybody know that I'm not going to make a discussion. I'm going to wait for people to call in so we can discuss stories. Yours, mine, ours. I tried to do that for a couple of weeks, and uh, uh, the response was not great. Uh, but that's okay. It is what it is, as we say today. Well, I've done about 30 minutes so far. Now, I'm going to go and get on the scale. Uh, not that I want to torture myself. The, the same thing happens every time I get back from a trip. I ate and drank like a beast. Like a, like 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 <laughs> Mr. Piggy. Uh, the tour I was on fed us marvelously well. The food in Spain, not as good as French, French or Italian. I don't want to insult anybody, but really good. And we would have one meal after another with wine, with with bread, a roll, good bread. Oh, the Spanish make bread as well as the French or the Italians. Really good bread. And I'm a sucker for bread and butter. And we would have a main course for both lunch and for dinner and then dessert. Oh, the desserts. <laughs> anyway, I get home and I expect to always gain five pounds, get on a scale. And because I guess we do so much walking and touring, uh, I've actually lost a pound. But I've learned no matter what I do, over the next four or five days, I gain four or five pounds. Somebody would have to explain the metabolism issue there to me. So if I haven't gained too much weight, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go buy myself some ice cream for dessert. Uh, I love ice cream. doesn't always love me, but what the hell. So I don't see anybody calling in. Uh, I feel better having said what I said. Uh, I, I should, you know what, let me just back up a second. What is it that allows us to see the monsters who become politicians? Because I'll say again, the most dangerous people in the world today and in history, not all, but by and large, are people who seek power and tell us that they are superheroes come to save us. And we somehow have this emotional need to believe it. To not have faith in ourselves to become our own hero. To develop the skills. To stick with our communities and our families. And do what we can 
But we vote these people in or accept them. We give them the power over us and the damage is inevitable because with that power comes monstrosity. Not always, just most of the time. Gandhi understood that. Uh, when his political life was over, they came to him and they wanted him to be the prime minister of the new government of India. He said, nah, nah. And a little bit later, somebody shot him to death. So, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I'm going to hang up and make a decision about whether I'm going to go out into my local publics because they make that really good ice cream there under their brand and get myself some really nice ice cream. See ya. Good night.